Welcome back to the Max Your Dash podcast. Thank you for listening, liking, and sharing. We are back again for the first podcast episode of 2024. I'm here with my co-host, Nate. I'm Steve. Mark is here for the first episode as well. What's going on, gents? Okay. What is going on? It's Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. It's the 5th. Me and Nate been a little under the weather. Mark is the the picture of health. Apparently, <laughs> can't get sick. I've I've been doing sauna, cold plunges, taking all kinds of yeah. vitamins. And I'm, I'm just, starting the I'm Max Your Health podcast next week. Max Your Health. <laughs> <laughs> you think we get uh, Gary Brecka on there, dude? First I'm just gonna disagree with it. him the whole time. <laughs> And we're going we're gonna to have him sit where you are. Nate's right there. Nate's following the Gary Brecker protocol. Yeah. I'm following my protocol. Someone make this make sense. I'm not sick. <laughs> You're not he sick. Oh, yeah, this stinks, uh, man. Let's get, get the blood work. Uh, get a genetic test. Get your blood work done. Let's oh, this is perfect. Maxidash moments of the year. Yes. What was your 2023 oh. Maxidash moment? If you're new here, Maxidash moments are the moments we were feeling true joy and fulfillment we usually do this at the start of every podcast this is going to be our favorite moment of 2023 of 2023 wow mine's so easy i bought a hunting property it's that was like a 20-year vision that finally happened that is that is pretty big i cried when it happened Mm. that's mine you cried i cried a little bit That monthly payment that he's doing on a hunting property goes for my Max or Dash moment, which is um, we've got a second kid coming next month. I also cried. I don't know if it was happy. <laughs> you cried too? Yeah, he's thinking about daycare But instead costs. of having you know, a property, that's just daycare costs. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it's that's fine. crazy. It's fine. If you're listening to this and you're like trying Can to make more- sure Mark is a girl dad. No. I told him. Knew me this year. Wow. If you're listening to this, I think there's and you're trying to make more money. There's got to be a serious opportunity to just like start a daycare, like do something. Oh, it's so, seriously. it's crazy. It really is like over a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Insanity per kid, per kid. Yeah. Do they like feed your kid while they're there? Not, not mine. What, what do they do? They just let it out. They teach them. Yeah. Like, oh, lock, do lock do they teach room. like stuff? Yeah, it is. There is beneficial for yeah. that for sure. Oh, like there's like curriculum. Yeah, but. Also, like, just learning good social skills, like, how to behave with other children. Yeah. Hopefully behave. But then you just get sick. You get sick a lot. Yep. Building that immune system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was yours? I don't know. 2023. Dude, I really don't know. So oh, your idea. God. I think it's a great idea. Imagine I don't think I have at, a year. That's kind of bad. Was it, I don't have that. a year to find how to play piano. That's we up. had an episode on this. You got to have a year defining. <laughs> I know we moment. did. That's why this is bad. Maybe I got to cut this part out. I don't think I have like a year defining mm-hmm. moment. Like the biggest thing that happened in my life was my sisters had more kids. That's great, but <laughs> no, yeah, my my family is has expanded, yeah. and I have I have I'm a godfather. Nice. I'm a, I'm, yeah, my nice. sister asked if I could be her spiritual guide. Hmm. Pretty big deal. <laughs> Imagine me being a spiritual guide. Yeah. All right, let's make this is to 2024 Max or Dash moments. Let's have a lot of them. Yes. Be more intentional about it. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the year in review 2023 stock market. If you want to know what happened in the stock market, economy, real estate in 2023, this is your episode. We're going to talk about it. We're going to act like we know what we're talking about, <laughs> which we do. Yep. So nice little review. We're gonna go over some charts, a little bit educational. Maybe we'll do a little look ahead to this year too. It was a banner year, I'd say. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Surprisingly. What now, a contrast from one year earlier. Well, we thought going into 2023, right? Everyone was scared. Scared. It was very uh cautious. Interest rates were on the rise. Was it when was the first Hedges interest rate hike? Was it in 2023? Was the first one in 2023? No. 2022? 2022, right? It was like 10 straight quarters or something of rate hikes. It's been that long. Yeah, I think it definitely was 2022 started. Really? 2021. I can't remember. Interesting. I think there's a chart in here. So I think the theme is that like people were really cautious and the year was really good from a return standpoint. If we're just talking about returns, 
Yeah. Why don't we talk about returns, Mark? Would the indexes return in 2023? Yeah, I would say that it uh, couldn't have been anyone. I mean, I guess us included, too. Couldn't have been more wrong about um, this, what was going to happen this year. Mm -hmm. First Um, rate hike was 2022. It was? So... Thank you to quarter four, which was where a lot of the returns actually came from. Every index finished way up, way above normal. Um, Which one do you want to start with? The S&P. The S&P was up 26% last year. Quarter four, 11.69. So almost half in quarter four. This is one's pretty pretty wild. Uh, Dow Jones was up 16%. Up 13% in quarter four. Wow. The Russell 2000, so small caps, up 16.9%, 14% in quarter four. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then you get into the international developed markets, up 18% on the year, 10.4 in quarter four. Emerging markets, up 10 on the year, 7.9 in quarter four. And then... NASDAQ, a little bit more consistency throughout the year. 44% year-to-date, finished up 13% in quarter four. Were, were, um, were any of the major indices negative at all during the year? No. 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 Wow. And I think it's it's important to point out, like, how it was literally the opposite of 2022, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, um, NASDAQ was down 34% in 2022, and it was up, what, 44, you said? Mm-hmm. S&P was down 20 in 2022, and it was up basically yeah. that, right? And every asset class in 2022 was down. Yeah, Fixed income was down. Mm-hmm. Every stock class was down. So it's like literally flipping yeah. it over. Dude, this might be, we'll get into this, but I oh, think. There, well, hold on. There were two sectors that were down. Utilities and energy, which were up massively in last year. This is the perfect two-year time frame. Example of why you shouldn't time the market. Yeah. yeah. End of 2022, what were investors thinking? I, this is terrible. This is scary. I don't want to invest anymore. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you took your money out or you stopped investing this year. Right. So here, Steve, <clears throat> over the last three years, what's done better, the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ? The NASDAQ. The Dow Jones has outpaced the NASDAQ by 13% over the last and three years. And when you years. say NASDAQ, really? just so you guys know, the NASDAQ is just the indice for pretty much the biggest tech companies. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, I feel like we've gotten... Not, I wouldn't say we've gotten peppered with that a lot this year, but <clears throat> there's got to be a lot of investors out there like, why wouldn't I just buy the NASDAQ? Buy the Nas-? Well, there's proof right there. Yes, mm-hmm. it was a very exciting year, and it outpaced by 20% on the S&P. But over the last th- three years, the S&P is up 15% more than the NASDAQ. Yeah. So um, We're not saying too. anything bad about the NASDAQ, by the mm-hmm. way, but this is just good reason for diversification. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a great point you bring up, Steve. It's like the perfect example of something we talk about on this podcast all the time about how hard managing your ego and your behavior is when it comes to investing. And it's it's just like, I feel like I say this all the time. It's like whatever you thought was going to happen, probably the opposite is going to happen. Exactly. Like even us as professional money managers, we manage a lot of money. Mm-hmm. In January, we were very cautious, cautious, right? And we were completely wrong. And it's, so I'm fine with admitting that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Yeah, no one knows it. If we could predict, if anyone could predict what's going to happen, they sure as hell wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Right. <laughs> this podcast, you'd be the largest money manager on the planet, yeah. and you would probably be retired and not doing anything. But, I guess for the for the year in review, when we tell you why everyone, for everyone listening, why everyone thought twenty twenty three was going to be a bad year was you know twenty twenty two wasn't great, but usually historically the stock market doesn't perform well during interest rates, um, hikes, because it usually hurts the economy, hurts the consumer, and then everything trickles down. So everyone was like, okay, 2023, these rate hikes are going to keep going. The stock market's going to fall. It was already bad in 2022. And they kept hiking and the stock market has not fallen. Yeah. So that's why everyone was surprised. Steve, maybe you can get this on the the episode um, on that 2023 charts from Y charts, the page 19 shows the rate hikes going back to when it started and just the, the speed that they were going up is why everyone was so bearish, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's how can things function well when you're raising rates that fast? Right. And 
for the average person might not really understand how it connects to like business. Like why is it that the Fed rate impacts so much of this stuff? The easiest way to think about it is like when if you were to go buy a house, right, you know everyone knows how different mortgage rates are now than they mm-hmm. were two years ago. It's the same thing with business loans, right? And businesses operate with loans and yeah. debt. Like that's how businesses have to operate. So the the interest rate impact on every business is is big. So to see the rates going up that fast mm-hmm. going into January 2023, it was, you know, it seemed kind of obvious like, oh, this is going to be another tough year, but right. it was the opposite. So. Right. Well, and in how is the, the consumer spending too, like they raise rate hikes so people stop spending, so inflation comes down, and that's why businesses are hurt too, because the consumer should stop spending, and that's usually what happens, and they don't really happen that much. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they had so much money saved up. Right. <laughs> so, what, Mark, why was Q4? Yeah, I was so going to ask that. What, what are the experts saying? Probably because Q3 was so bad. Honestly, like, <laughs> Did it have anything to do with the Fed saying they're going to do rate cuts in 2024? No. They didn't say that until just recently. That was that was over the what was that in December or was it November? It was in November. Yeah, I think. So I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of a big move in December certainly probably was caused by that, but it had already started. The month of November was also right. a, a really, really big month. But like to just we were talking about how everyone was wrong, including us, about this year or 2023, excuse me. Here's 2024. The the we're going in, you know, it's January 5th and we're recording this. Looking at the top 20 strategist projections for 2024, the highest projected from Oppenheimer and Fundstrat, 9, 9.1% appreciation on the S&P. The lowest from JP Morgan, down 11.9%, and the average is 1% gain. All over the place. They have no clue. The range is, that's a huge, <laughs> huge. Dude, if you go back and look at every major bank's prediction of where the S&P 500 was going to be in, yeah. at the end of 2023, yeah. they were so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. These are the... Major banks that are supposed to be like the experts and yeah. have the pulse on this yeah. stuff. So, so first, first trust who we love, they're great. They're they were rated the the number one. Uh, I can find it in here, but most most accurate um, predictors or whatever projectors for twenty twenty two. They projected a recession last year and a really bad year in the markets. Obviously, they were completely wrong mm-hmm. last year. They were in twenty twenty two. Rated the number one forecaster. 2023 couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah. And then you look at the Y chart side of things and there's a 51% chance of a recession next year. Yeah. No one has a damn clue. Yeah. yeah. Flip a coin. Yeah. That, that's that's how you figure it out. That's why you have to have a plan. I also wanted to see so you were talking about how the market did in 2023. I always like looking at some longer rolling periods. As of the end of 2023, roughly, this is actually through, I think, November, but. Um, the S and P five hundred and five year total return is right now is twelve and a half percent, and ten years eleven point eight. That's annual average. So even with like what happened in twenty twenty two and the t- COVID crash, these compounding rates over the last five or ten years are really good. Mm-hmm. Like when we model any client that's listening probably knows this, but we're modeling like your retirement plans. We're probably assuming like a seven and a half percent average growth rate. So you know, you could see a ten-year growth rates are still above ten percent. Right. So kind of crazy. <clears throat> oh, I found it. So two hundred economists around the world. First Trust is rated number one. Again, we're not trying to bash them, but this is just to, to get the point across. They had projected the S and P five hundred to finish twenty twenty three at thirty nine hundred. Where'd we finish? Forty seven seventy. Wow. <laughs> Off by quite a bit. Number one forecast. A lot. Yeah, that's great. That's interesting. Okay, stocks. Great year. No one thought it was going to happen. Yep. What's uh? What was the tail of the tape on bonds and fixed income this year? <laughs> <clears throat> Same story, maybe even more significant for quarter four. Okay, so U.S. Ag finished up five point five three percent on the year. Quarter four six point eight two percent. U.S. corporates finished up eight point five. Quarter four eight point five. Right. Year to date on the municipals, 5.78, uh, 7.4% quarter four. And then high yield finished up 13.44, quarter four, 7.16%. And again, the, prior to 2023, the the tape on fixed income was you can't hide there anymore. Right. 
Right. Well, there was a massive move in quarter four in the tenure. Yeah, massive. Yeah, massive. So is, when as soon as as soon as the market started pricing in these cuts way before and way more aggressively than the Fed even said. So they can were we talk to. about that for a second? By the way, the pricing in the cuts thing, like how like it's so wrong all the time. They priced in twice as many as the the Fed actually said they were going to do. Right. Twice. And now I just I was reading this morning like they were pricing in four cuts in twenty twenty four. And now it's like it went from like an eighty-three percent probability of a cut in Q one to a fifty, yeah. like in a matter of a week, yeah, or two. Yeah, like what is that? It's ridiculous. <laughs> no one I mean, knows what's going to happen. The market knows. just keeps bad. They they didn't learn their lesson because in was it twenty twenty two, maybe twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, just the market kept betting against the Fed, like basically saying they're not going to keep going higher. They're done raising. They kept going higher, like they said they would. Um, and people got burned on in, in fixed income. The only positive fixed income asset class over the last three years is high yield. Everything else is negative over the last three years. And mm-hmm. that literally has never happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. But I do think bonds are acting more of, of a true diversifier normal. now, a nice yeah. safety normal, more normal. haven. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting, you're getting paid to actually invest in them. Mm-hmm. There is an alternative, which is nice. Um, <clears throat> you don't have, this is proof here. You don't have to just sit in cash or money markets. Bonds ended up finishing the year quite a bit better um, than cash. So, yeah. Um, hold, by the way, hold your guys' favorite charts. We're going to do it at the end. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, Fixed income, equities. We talked about the stock market a little bit. <clears throat> Let's talk about how the economy did in 2023. I think that this has a lot to do with like the, the rate hikes and stuff like that. So there was, they they hiked throughout the year. And then the first pause they did was when that stuff happened with the banks. Correct? God, time seems so yeah, weird yeah, now. Didn't March, that like something March. happen with uh I feel like they did pause like in March, but then they rate they kept yeah. going. How many that. times did they pause this year? Twice? Some yeah, it looks like from May to August they kind of were paused. Okay. That was the only pause. Yeah. And then that was the only pause. Four. Yeah. Well, they were doing in in the the how excessive they were being with the hikes changed as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they were doing, I think they were doing 25 basis points most recently right or were they doing 50 they were at 25 more yeah. recently yeah mm-hmm. yeah the 50 bips looks like it stopped at the end of last year maybe yeah <clears throat> well let's the big theme for a while here's been inflation where's the inflation data at now yeah yeah it's come down a lot so um we don't know obviously full year gdp and that's not what you asked but big year gdp wise i think it's gonna finish better than expected um, the battle with inflation is going well. Um, let's see. So through November, CPI at 3.1% and it, it peaked out at 9.1%. So it's come down a ton. Yeah. Um, and then CPI, which is more important, excuse me, um, PCB, yeah. which is more important to the Fed is down to 3.5%, which peaked out at 6.6%. I want to say the target's 2.5%. On, yep. on, um, yeah, 25 PCB. The one thing that just really hasn't moved is shelter costs. Um, there's we'll get into that. A lot of things have really come down. Energy costs. Energy is in like deflationary territory. Yeah. Um, this is the thing that I we've talked about this before, but we have to make this clear. This With inflation coming down, this does not mean prices are going to come down. Your grocery bill is not going to go down. Just the rate at which they're rising is decreasing so the reason they do this is they get it to a target so wage growth can catch up and then stuff will start to feel less expensive but the prices are not going to come down and i think that's what the inflation is the rate of the growth Mm -hmm. for prices to come down there would have to be deflation rate yeah right yeah so they're just trying to lower how because prices are always going to go up they just don't want it to be Mm -hmm. as fast as nine percent because nothing can keep up but you're the Prices are never going to go down, at least considerably. Wage growth is just going to catch up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the energy thing is real. That is true. The, yep. the energy truly did go into def- deflationary territory where you're actually paying less than you were. Okay. Um, and I, so I'm on a fixed bill with Art G&E. My, they, I've been overpaying all year apparently because my last few months have been like half the bill. So I've been apparently just overpaying all year and hopefully, hopefully they give me the money back. But. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> not really like we have a choice to use anyone else. So that's cool. Right. So how's you the could, how's, solar? Solar could do solar. Yeah. You know, have you thought about that? No. <laughs> so it's the, pretty dark out. The fight against public enemy number one is going great. That's why they're thinking about things are looking better. Cutting cutting mm-hmm. rates. That's why they're thinking about cutting rates. Yeah. How's the consumer? How was the consumer last year? Last year, twenty twenty three. The consumer kept us alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Americans. We'll yeah. spend our money no matter what. <laughs> so sixty seven point seven percent of GDP was from the consumer consumption spending money. Great. And then the consumer confidence. It's weird though because I feel like the consumer confidence. Where's that one chart we always look like? Is under the average. It was under the average all year. So the consumer doesn't feel great. Is that was that it? Um, let me see. The consumer. It's fluctuated, but the consumer confidence that they do is still under the average. I thought that was it yeah, right there, right? Well, well below the average. Yeah, but they're still spending money. Is that how they feel about the economy or how they feel about the stock market? I mean, I think it'd be both. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I think consumers are angry about inflation. Yeah. yeah. That's driving a lot of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. People definitely are feeling the pain. You know, we got through it, but like we... Mm-hmm. And it just seems like they might have actually gotten this right, but you know we're, we ran out of money, so they start cutting or stop raising rates. Maybe at, probably at the right time because most of the excess savings is gone now, mm-hmm. um, and credit card debt has gone up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So that uh, the M two supply or whatever it's that's interesting. How mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time the money supply has actually gone down. Yeah, that's that's not. It usually is really a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're predicting a stock market crash. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the consumer at the end of the day, like their confidence comes from their grocery bill and their gas bill. Yeah. 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 And how, they're, from, and how, how they feel day to day. Yeah. 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 And you're like the labor force. I don't know if you were just about to go to that. Like, yeah. What are those numbers looking like? There? Yeah steadily uh well so we're basically at full employment no we were just watching that jp yeah. morgan thing what did they what did they say they were like we are at we're at full we're employment. At full employment yeah we're at full employment however um huge spike in jobs added in december like by way more than expected i can't remember what the number was but it was a couple hundred thousand two hundred sixty thousand mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that um but the trend is absolutely down for payroll gains mm-hmm. um and no one is quitting their job so that kind of tells you a little bit of something but by the way that's normal that, that's yeah. what should happen after a rate hiking cycle the mm-hmm. fact that we've had such a resilient labor force during the rate hiking cycle is why people are like so confused because usually when the first thing to go when rate hikes happen or businesses will let go of their employees and then that's when a recession starts to kick in. That didn't happen. The labor market was so resilient last year and businesses were fine. They didn't have to do layoffs. Mm-hmm. Right. But also it happened so quick that the big the million dollar question is how long like how right. long does it take for that stuff to show up? Right. Exactly. Yeah. What's the lag time? It, and but then if you're like waiting for it and then it never happens, right. it's a that's, part of our time in the market. The hardest. That's why it's hard. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear hiring is slowing down. It is weird, and I don't have the answer for this. That we're at full employment, we still have nine million jobs open. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. Is the data wrong? <clears throat> I, I don't know. But we need people to have more kids. Yeah, yeah. Mark's helping out with that. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Okay, real estate. Mm, I got. Ooh, yeah, right. can you talk about this? Yeah. So th- this is this is. V- fascinating to me what's happening in the housing market first of all you got to talk about mortgage rates what are they at right now so i think like the average 30 years somewhere around seven percent something like that nice um what i'm looking at right here this isn't as of right this minute so it's probably a little off is the average 30 years 7.22 the average 15 years 6.56 for perspective in 2022 that was the average 30 year was two and a half so in one year, mortgage rates have tripled, right? And you're seeing, uh, so I'm looking at, according to Wells Fargo traffic of per- prospective buyers, Ooh. I mean, this the prospective buyers is so far down. Um, 
the actual sales numbers are have like halted. I mean, it, it just makes sense. Like why people ever, why would you sell your house when you have a mortgage of 2% to go get a mortgage at seven and a half? Uh-huh. Like it's just really difficult. And, uh, but asset prices haven't changed. Right. Right. So like for you to justify making that purchase, you'd probably want to feel like you're getting a discount on the house, but that hasn't happened yet. So the housing market's just had a standstill. And that's something that like worries me a lot because it's the largest asset class in the world. And the question is like, what are the trickle down effects of that? Right. You know, and that's still hasn't really showed again. What's the lag on this? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so I don't really know what to make of all that. It's just very interesting information. What about yeah. rents, Mark? Because you said shelter costs are up. They just have barely come down. That, that's the problem. Like it's one just of crazy. The stickiest part of inflation right now is just that. And but it does logically make sense, right? So if if you're a real estate investor and you want to go buy some rental properties and you're mm-hmm. paying twice as much now because of the interest rate on it, and really the price hasn't come down at all, right? You're gonna to have to charge more for rent. <laughs> That's not what are you laughing? There's a hilarious uh, account on X, mm-hmm. formerly on Twitter. <laughs> um, unusual whales. Oh, the, and oh he, yeah, I keep seeing this tweet that he puts out. I think it's a he. Um, that <laughs> the housing market's so bad that divorced couples are still living together. <laughs> oh, well, actually, he did post something yesterday that about the real estate market. Um, let me see if I can find it here. I can't remember what it's called. But uh, you can get all your news from unusual whales. Like, you could literally just get all your news. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'll find it. Just give me a second. I thought about making my favorite chart his... Uh, chart really politicians investment returns oh yeah yeah he's big i think it might be his pinned tweet about all that's like, the like con- thing that's yeah. what made him yeah like, big wow he tweets a lot but that's interesting so 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 the housing no market movement really on the housing market either it's just at a standstill and it makes sense question is what's the downstream effects of that right and if the fed does cut rates fast maybe things will normalize there again but mm-hmm. it wasn't really normal either before that i mean the fact that your house, even in the country of Rochester, New York, went up twenty five percent in two years or whatever, it just doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So, um, any other pieces on the economy that you guys want to talk about? I can't remember what the hell it's called, but um, so to recap some of that. Like GDP strong, yep. labor market's still pretty strong, although trending down. Yep. Wages have been resilient. Yep. Consumers are still buying. Yeah, business housing market's not great. Found it. A bill was introduced to the Senate at the end of 2023, the End Hedge Fund Control of American Homes Act, that would force investors to sell off all the single-family homes they own over 10 years, Mm -hmm. and eventually ban hedge funds from owning any single-family homes entirely. Yeah, I don't think we really know like hard facts on like how big of an impact it's having, but it certainly is having an impact. So that could be something that actually helps yeah. the housing market. Is yeah. If hedge funds have to unload these single family homes. I don't understand how that's allowed. What? You can, uh, hedge funds are buying single oh, yeah, family right. homes. It's essentially BlackRock. They own right. so much. Right. Yeah. Although I did listen to a podcast episode on that compound and friends where the, they had some, an expert come on in the real estate market. And he, and he had said that they, it's not really like, it sounds bad, but there's not. It's not happening like as much as you think right. it's happening or something. But it just shouldn't be allowed. There's just no room for it anyway. Like how, whether it's that bad or not, we can't no. have them. Why would people who buy everything want that? cash? Right. Why would we want that? Doesn't yeah. make sense. So this is, I would say, okay. So you know, 2022 bad year. 2023 good year. 2024. Let's talking about investing principles. Because mm. what do you think? We no one knows. As we just said, we proved it to you. That no one knows. So what should you do in 2024? This is, these are the investing principles. This is what you should be. This should be your Bible mm-hmm. when it comes to investing through, especially like times like this. Yeah. So where well, do you want to begin? I'm going to start off. I'm just going to use some data from the, from one of the charts there, but it's, this is only through December 5th. So it's changed a little bit. Um, but through December 5th of 2023, the S&P was up 18.97. Which one are you looking at? Um, the effects of missing the best days. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was up 18.97 through no, through uh, December 5th, excuse me. 
if you miss just the five best days in 2023 alone, that return goes down to 7.9. You miss the 10 best days, now you're negative. You're at negative 0.68. So from an investing principle, number one that I think is is most important is just to be invested. Don't right. take stay invested. Don't right. don't try to time the market. Time in the market. Mm-hmm. You, and like we always talk about, the best days often occur right yeah. around the yeah. worst days. Yeah. Yeah. And so it feels like you want to get out, but that's usually the mm-hmm. big mistake. You, mm-hmm. If you missed five days, you cut your return in more than half. Right. Mm-hmm. In one year. Right. It's crazy. Just in one year. Right. Yeah. That is a crazy chart. <clears throat> Just in 2023. So we say stay the course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> get invested, stay invested. Yep. Now, what would be those? So, like, we're talking a lot about in the beginning, we talked about the indices like the SP 500, the NASDAQ. Like, a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to go buy an SP 500 index fund or I'm going to buy QQQ. I'm going to buy the NASDAQ. And that's fine. Like, index funds are great. We like them, we use them. Why necessarily is that not a, a good plan for your finances? Let's talk a little bit about asset allocation and diversified portfolio. Mm. I think a good example is like you were talking about. Um, basically commodities, like you said, utilities and energy were the only two asset classes down in 2023, but they were the best performers in 2022, right? Mm -hmm. Commodities were up 16% in 2022, down 7.9 in 2023. Right. So that's your example is not really helping with that, but like not owning commodities in 2022 would have been a horrible thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, and then REITs. I you mean, just you, never you, know. So, so the worst, the this. best performer in 2022 ended up being the worst in 2023. The best performer in 2023 might have been QQQ. Yeah. Might be the worst in 2024. Exactly. So, again, it comes back to you, we just don't know. So you got to be diversified. Yeah. That's the discipline of this whole thing. So the, the quilt, we love the quilt for asset class returns in 2023. Large cap was 26.3. The diversified portfolio or asset allocation was 14%. You're listening to this. You're like, okay, why would I do the asset allocation when I got a lot less money? The asset allocation smooths out the ride. If you think that you can be invested into large caps or the S&P 500 for an entire year Mm -hmm. when X, Y, and Z is happening, you don't know what's going to go on. If you think you can do that, which you usually say is 1% of people, go do it because it's the better return. Asset allocation gives you a plan and smooths out that ride. Yeah. Yeah. And we, in an episode previously, we, we showed an example. I remember we talked about Imagine you had a million bucks in the S&P 500 going into 2008. Mm-hmm. At the start of 2009, if I'm remembering correctly, you would be down to $500,000 mm-hmm. in, in so, one year. Yeah. Are you really disciplined enough to keep riding this thing out? Right. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, like if you got, we talk about this all the time, if you've got a small amount of money, you don't care. But when you got a big pile of money and you're feeling that wave you care a lot more. So that's why you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You got to smoothen out the ride. And we just don't know. If you look at the quilt and Steve will put that up, it's so all over the place. Like mm-hmm. usually the previous year's winner is the next year's loser. That's usually just kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. Right. But the asset allocation, look at that. Look, middle of the road. It's never going to be the best, never going to be the worst. Which one do you want? <laughs> And it helps you to not miss the, I think that's the most important yeah. part. It helps you to not miss the best days in the market. Yep. Yeah. That is probably, <clears throat> that goes in with timing the market. That is literally the worst thing you can do. Missing the best days, timing the market, the mm-hmm. worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you start thinking like, if you think to yourself, is now a good time to be invested? You're already starting to lose it a little bit. that's true you know what i mean like if you we always answer those questions the answer is always yes is now a good time should i wait well you already lost if you're asking those questions don't ask don't waste my time with that question (laughs) (laughs) so that's our answer for 2024 that's not fun but you're not clicking on this video because you know we're going to give you a stock to invest in (laughs) we're going to tell you how to fail safe your financial plan so i'm looking at this this 44 year chart and what was it? Seventy-five percent of the time, I can't remember what the exact stat is on it, but seventy-five um, percent of the time over the last forty-four years, the S and P five hundred finished positive. Thirty-three out of forty-four years, uh, average what? Oh, average intra-year decline over that period of time was fourteen point two percent. So 
75% of the time it finishes positive. I don't think there was a year that it wasn't down. Right. At some point. Yeah. 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 So how's your, how's your, your index fund is going to do great at the end, but in the middle, are you holding the conviction? Yeah. And if you don't believe us, just go next week. Just let's do it for one week. Just go watch the stock market each day next week. And yeah. Tell me what Mark, you learned. Mark will do it with you. <laughs> tell me what you learned. He'll watch it every day with you. I mean, last year was a, actually a really good example of it. The market was down 10% at one point and finished the year up. Wait, I asked if it was down at all. You said no. Yeah, it was down 10% oh. at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, because I got asset allocation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 2020. No, nah, I don't really think we should use that example, but it was down 34 percent and finished the year yeah. up 16. Yeah. Okay, favorite charts. Ooh, are you going off the cuff? Like, is it not on the PowerPoint your favorite? You said you're going to choose one give from me unusual whales. Go to him first, Mark. You got a favorite? I was going to go last because okay, like, I'll do oh, my. You I'll do my. One? No, I thought I mine was. I have multiple, so. No, you can only have one, Mark. I know, but that's why I was going to go last because okay. I have more than one. My favorite one is uh, the quilt because you can literally show this Like, because I love index funds, but that is probably one of the biggest things that people say is like, why wouldn't I just buy an index fund? You show them this and then you give them the example of, okay, you're down X amount on your index fund in the middle of the year. Are you staying the course? If they could say yes, then I'll back off. But if they say no, I'm gonna show them this chart. It's just perfect. Look at ass allocation from the volatility all the way. Yeah. Look at it had the dude, look at the volatility. It had the second, the third lowest volatility out of every asset class besides cash and fixed income from 2009 to 2023. Yeah. I mean, if you if you hate being wrong and you don't care about always being right. You should be asset allocated. Say that, that that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is great. Wait, say it again. Yeah, say if it again. you hate being wrong, but you don't care about always being right, you should be asset allocated. Wow. That's, did you just come up with that? I did. No, wow. I've heard you say that before. But it was that was fresh right there. That was good. Yes. That is perfect. Nice. nice. Okay, mine's the quilt. All right. I'm surprised you don't have one from like Twitter, Nate. I told you I was going to do the politicians for your church, and you wouldn't let me throw that in here. This is not, apparently we can't talk politics here. Um, my chart, and I don't really know what to think about this, but I just find it so interesting is um, the Magnificent Seven. I, I It's crazy to me. Oh, yeah. We didn't really talk about that. No. The weightings. So just like the, the SM, so Mark, you know this stuff better, so speak on this, but the S&P 500 is the 500 largest U.S.-based companies. Mm-hmm. And it was up whatever percent last year, 24% or something like that. But like, how much of that came from just seven companies? Well, I'm looking at the top 10, so that's close enough, right? Sure. 87% of the return came from just the 87% top 87% of the return came from those companies. Do you have data on what the rest of the, the other 490 did? Mm-hmm. What is that? So the top 10 was up 57% last year. And the, let's, these are, this is Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Nvidia, Nvidia, Tesla. Tesla. I'll give you them right now. Was it United Health? Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Nvidia, Google, Berkshire, um, Google again, <laughs> Metal. I don't know what XOM is. Uh, United Healthcare and then um, Tesla. Yeah. Wow. So that is abnormal makes up 80 percent of the return of the index Mm -hmm. yeah you know what it makes me feel like is that we should we should buy the other 490 this year so the other 490 (laughs) if you're i'm i'm guessing like spider what are some of these big etf oh there's plenty equal weight you know no no no, hang on spider who are some other big uh etf first trust is first they have what you're talking about the nasdaq you don't know what i'm x i want Oh, where they take out the top yes. 10? Wow. Yeah. Obviously, Damn it. I thought I had a good idea. I figured they're, they're listening to the pod. But, but do you want that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I'm doing, that's. so top 10 stocks were up 57%. The other 490 were up 7%. Oh. Can we do this? This would be interesting. Steve, you're going to have to be the one that remembers this. We should like pay attention this year. To see how the 490 do versus those 10. Because coming back to investor behavior, every average person is be like, well, I just want to own those seven to 10 companies. Yeah. I mean, they're crushing it. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to this pod, <laughs> we're telling you the opposite. 
Well, so can we track that moving forward? Dude, all four ninety. I mean, they got it a year at some point. They do. They do. It is kind of interesting, and this kind of makes sense here. Um, if you look at like communication services and tech, which are all those top ten, they have the highest percentage of cash. So mm-hmm. makes sense. They didn't have to go out and borrow. They're very profitable. Yeah. So they have a they had a ton of cash, ton of free cash flow, and they didn't have to go out and borrow money. Mm-hmm. So if this if this like higher for longer were to keep going higher and stay higher for longer, eventually it would get to them. I don't think it's yeah. going to. Mm-hmm. There's uh, now seven companies right with over a trillion of market cap. Something like that. I was hoping you were going to do like a uh, AI's effect on the stock market <laughs> chart because that probably- these are all pretty much AI companies. Every yeah. Dash Capital is an AI company, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Nate, you did uh, the concentration in the S and P. Mark, favorite chart? Did we cover all that? All yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with. Hmm, it's tough between the two. Are you putting your name on, dude? I mean, like this is it's it's gonna be a diversification one. I knew it. Which one do you think? Do I go? Do I go with the, this? The time diversification, volatility of returns, or this? I I like the this one's too hard for people to understand. Something like sexier. No, the. <laughs> what do you mean you don't like the quilt? I mean, this but is this is, this, Mark, is, this is what Mark would choose. This is just so important, but I I really do like this. All right, portfolio diversification, but it, I just don't think it's on it's as easily understood. So we'll go with this. Okay. <laughs> Which is what? Which one? The the portfolio diversification. It is really important because people are just flat out well, wrong about you, this you stuff. Talk about it because it's oh, not. That he's, that's the one he's not choosing. Right. Oh, he's, you're he's, not choosing. He's, he's not choosing, choosing. So time choosing? diversification and volatility oh, returns. Yeah. Okay, talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when you're looking at this chart, it's on the screen. Do I need to pretend he's right now? Have it on it's screen. on the screen. He's gonna got it. He's gonna get it. it up there. No, we have a new great podcast editor. This is just super straightforward here, guys. It just shows that if you have all stocks, all bonds, or a blended portfolio of 60% stocks or bonds, it shows your range of outcomes over given periods of time. And if you know your time horizon, we went back to invest, we were talking about investing principles, so I'm staying on that course here. If you know your time horizon, there's not a reason to, to try to time the market, getting in and out of the market. You can clearly see here, if you hold stocks, I'm going to go with stocks for a 10-year period, the worst outcome since 1950 was a negative 1%, the best 19%. Average rate of return over the long haul, 11.2%. If you don't want to risk losing money at all, outside of you know potentially a downside of 2% over a five-year period on bonds, you can be down as bad as 2% in a five-year rolling period. Um, 10 years, never negative. The 60-40 portfolio, never negative in a five-year rolling period since 1950. Mm -hmm. If you got five years on your your plate, your time horizon is five years, go in a 60-40 portfolio and know that this is probably going to be true. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I think is crazy is like a a lot of times, I just had this conversation. I just came from a review meeting with a client and they they were concerned about the market. And I think a lot of people sometimes think of investing on the stock market like gambling. Mm-hmm. But it's not even close to a comparison. Right. It's not even even sort of a fair comparison. No. Like at 73% of the time, the stock market is going to be positive in any one year period. Right. So think about those odds. Like gambling mm-hmm. is nothing like that. No, it's just become that because of yeah. a whatever Robin Hood. Right. You can literally gamble on stocks now so easily. Right. But that's not what the stock market's supposed to be. Like, the S&P 500 is up three quarters of the time in any given year. Mm-hmm. And in, in this uh, Y charts chart, this one's interesting. Even in, it, what do you think the percentage of the time, Steve, I'm going to ask you this because Mark probably knows. What percentage of the time is the S&P 500 positive in any one month period? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? Wait, it, it positive in any one month period? Mm-hmm. From 1950 to today. It's got to be over 50%. 60% of the time in a, a month. That's not gambling. That ain't gambling. Those odds no. are good. That is good. No. Yeah. So, but any of you, like, go talk to the smartest investors in the world. None of them are looking at a one year time horizon. No. 
right? You're, no one is gambling with their stock picks. But their eyes are watching it in that right. short yeah. period right. of time. You got, I mean, there's times when you, if you're picking individual stocks, there's times when you got to walk away. There absolutely are. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's probably this the is easy. part. I'm looking at this as so. easy. Have a nice yeah. blended portfolio and stay the course. Yeah. And if then you want to be down in, way less and just up a little less. Yeah. 60 40. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay. Mark, great choice. I think we had some, we had some good. That was weird. I thought you would have picked the one Mark did and right. Mark would have picked well, the one I'd you see, did. Yeah. I'm like trying to do this. I'm, I'm an entertainer. Um, <laughs> no, the other one is definitely my favorite chart. The index concentration is definitely my favorite chart. You mean portfolio diversification? No. The S&P 500 index concentration oh, oh, yeah. is definitely my favorite yeah, chart. Yeah, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's... it's. It, Can we throw in a bonus chart? I don't know. What chart well, do you well, want? Wait, actually, one last thought on this. I think what's really, really crazy right now is that the S&P 500 is actually priced very fairly. Which is a good. Which is Ooh, a good. I was hoping we were going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Because the average person doesn't know what you mean when you say priced fairly. The so it's it's priced right at the average of where it has been historically. Was it over the twenty year, twenty five year, whatever it was? Where are you saying the PE ratio? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? It's a twenty twenty-five. <laughs> so the price compared to company earnings is right on par with. The, yep. what it's been for the last 20 years. Right. Which is when you So even buy, though we're basically at all-time highs, and, and that's, again, coming back to investor behavior, the skeptics out there are looking at where the market's at, and they're thinking, how are we at all-time highs? And you got the housing markets, dog crap. You got all this bad news that's potentially coming out. What's going on? Yes, it's at all-time highs, but people need to understand, and this is why I want to throw in a bonus chart, Um about the amount of debt that exists right now. People need to understand that if we're at all time, we should always be at all time highs. Mm-hmm. That means that the world's growing. And mm-hmm. if the world isn't growing, we got way bigger issues. Mm-hmm. Right. And human that's the thing that's amazing about humans is we're always trying to improve. So like we're if we start going down, like that would be a very right. bad, bad right. thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny. I just want a bonus chart. Can I get a bonus chart in? Do you have it? Yeah, I got it. Oh. The charge it chart, I think, is interesting. So <laughs> US like you'll hear you're gonna hear these things. People are hearing these things all the time. US credit card debt's at all time highs, it's over a trillion. Mortgage debt at its all time highs over twelve trillion. Auto loan debt at all time highs at one point six trillion. Just US household debt, right? The summary of all that is at all time highs. Of course it is. Right. It should always be going up. Right. Mm-hmm. Why don't people get that? Right. If if debt is actually going down, it actually means the economy is going to be slower. Right. People right. use debt to buy 100%. things. And as your wages are growing, you get access to more debt. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're going to have more debt. It sounds like a scary number, but I feel like it gets blown away I out think of proportion. So it gets, no, right. People try to pump it as like this narrative, yeah. like the thing's going to crash. No. This is just how it works. This is how America is If debt down. goes down... <clears throat> Then things are going to slow down, and that's actually bad. I don't know if they still have this chart with the lending standards, but um, all like a lot a big story last year, and it is true um, that the lending standards and banks have been tightening up lending lending standards. Um, oh yeah, they don't have it in here. That is concerning. So what Nate's talking about is that growing makes sense. It's a good thing. It means that we're growing. If if lending continues to tighten, there's not money being given out. That is scary. Yeah, that's a, that's a much better leading economic indicator right. than, than looking at existing U.S. Debt. household debt. Right. right now, there's. It's not always good to see like that delinquencies. Money. That would be bad would or be stuff. Bad. Yes. Stuff like that yeah. is what people need to be paying attention right. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we can take on debt, and it's for an active purpose, so something that can outpace the cost of the debt. That makes sense, but like. Take on debt to go buy a pair of sneakers doesn't make sense. No. Right. <laughs> That's what I was always worried about with the huge emergence of buy now, pay later. I was worried about that, but those companies are killing. <laughs> they got in some trouble for a minute yeah, there. I like that bonus chart. Put that up. Make sure you save that because I got to put that up. It's in the. It's in our team's channel. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you guys have any last minute thoughts here? This was a great review of 2023. Do you guys think international is going to have its time to beat U.S. stocks? It's been a long time, guys. It's been since. I don't know. There's a lot of I'm too scared. There's too much stuff going on. There's too much stuff going on. 
you see yeah. what's going on in Germany with the farmers? No. That's that way, is crazy. that where they're dumping the shit all over the roads? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? It's so funny. Like, I, I guess Germany is like, they're increasing the tax on farmers like crazy, a crazy amount to try to, for ESG reasons. Like they want, they, they're basically, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. We're, again, we don't, let's not get into Government politics. overreach, man. Hawaii, yeah. they said they banned fireworks and you see the whole freaking beach line, shoreline, which is all just <laughs> ripping off fireworks. It's an awesome video. So I don't, I would say I would not bet on international. Me neither. But you got to have them in your portfolio because you got to be diversified. It's got to happen at some point. They are yeah. so cheap. The dividend yields better. They haven't outperformed the U.S. since like 2006. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> really? Um, but yeah, so it's been 14 years of U.S. outperformance. So, so I guess less than 2006. Before that, were 7.2 years of uh, international outperformance. Maybe we're going to get it here soon. I think the exposure to it, like Nate said, you, you got to get into it. You got to be holding it because eventually it should have its time. Yeah. This is another argument for the quilt, for diversification. With, you don't always have to know which asset class is going to be perfect by being exposed to them all. You're always going to, you're going to have a smooth ride. You're not always going to be right. You're never going to be wrong. You're going to have some of the best performers in there and you're going to have some of the worst performers in there, but that's okay. Um, it's a good thing to be like, through rebalancing. It's a good thing to be buying the worst performers when they're down mm-hmm. um, and selling the best performers when they're up. So that's good. Dude, that's like a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Charlie Munger, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Legend. Great one. Ever heard of him? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to get out of here. Yeah. All right, guys. Successful first podcast episode of the year. Right? Yeah. I'd say so. Word. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening and watching the Max Dash podcast. We will catch you guys in the next one. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Security America Advisors, Inc. Dash Capital Advisors and Securities America are separate entities.